0: Welcome to the Made to Parade podcast, sponsored by the British Drum Company. Manufacturers of the Phantom, Regimental Series and Axial Parade drums that look amazing, sound amazing and feel amazing.
1: Alright folks, welcome back to the Made to Parade podcast. You're joining us on episode number 5 of season number 4. So we are now halfway through the season, but don't worry, there's still a lot of great stuff to come. I hope you saw it an absolutely brilliant twelfth of July. I know I did. And it was great to be praying around the local area in East Belfast. Have to say, really enjoyed that and would be very much up for that being the 12th as uh, the normal route and uh, it was great not having to rush to get up in the morning and actually being done by around about half past two quarter to three instead of half nine in the evening and I know a lot of people really enjoy just walking around their own areas maybe we can come up with some kind of compromise with the Orange Order and uh, you know maybe do the outward route to the field and then have a maybe a local parade in the evening as the return route Um, I know that I'd definitely be in favour of that and I'm sure there might be a lot of other people out there in favour of that as well. Thank you to everybody who listened into to last week's episode from the cultural event on the Shango Road, got a reasonably good response to that one and uh, make sure you keep an eye out on the Made the Parade YouTube channel because the video version of that particular episode is coming up as well. Today we are joined by members of the current memorial, flip on from Siam Mills. And uh, they are celebrating their 125th anniversary this year. And it's absolutely amazing to think that there are bonds in existence uh, today that are actually older than Northern Ireland itself. And uh, it's great to have these guys on and share something about their history, how they've kept things going, and where things are up with them today. I'll be back a wee bit later on, as per usual. Just to give you some updates on where things are going with the podcast, who's coming up next, and any announcements that we need to make in regards to what's happening with the podcast, the book, and other things that are happening here at Made the Prade. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with the members of the Cow Memorial Flute Band. Alrighty, folks. Welcome back to another episode of um, Made the Prade. I am joined tonight by... Three members of the Coyne the Memorial Flute Band. Case, just want to introduce yourselves?
0: Hi, Glenn. I'm Trevor. I'm the bass player at Coyne Memorial. Uh, hi, Glenn. Uh, I'm John. I've uh, played with the band for,
2: well, 40 years. It it's my 40th year. But uh, basically, I started off playing second
3: flute, moved to first flute, um, been bandmaster now for a number of years. I'm David McKellen. I joined the band in 1959. I played the cymbals the first year. Of my father was bandmaster, so no from my father, actually, like, so. and the uh, third, then third, second, first, yeah, pick up. been on the
1: pick 55 years. And, and I know you've kind of given a wee bit more there in terms of but how did you all kind of get involved with the bond? You know, I mean, is this the first bond you were involved in, only bond you've been involved in? What kind of sparked your interest, guys, in terms of joining the bond? Well,
3: as my father and Man master, back in uh, the McAllen family, there would be 13 of our family connection in the band when I started in fifty-nine. So, after uh, a uh, Emil and and family, so a from the McKellen family, I sold. You could charge you when you join that. I was saying it's called Samuel's Amateur Foot Band at that time, but uh, and I tried it at seven, stripped the foot, tried at nine, but 11 before they got on to it. But I uh, was from Sibyl's. The father would let me into the band, actually, all the tunes. So in a year, and Symbols, then I started shooting in from 1860.
1: On and yeah, what about the rest? When did you first get involved? We
3: may as well work in sort of age harder here. <laughs> 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 I joined the
2: band in 1981, Um, I was 10, so you can do the math. but uh, my reason for joining I had an uncle that was in the band, Um, Herbie King, he was the third flute player, and always had a keen interest in music growing up, didn't realise that I would end up playing a lot of music later on, but I just had an interest, and it must have been just that age, I think it was when I was nine, following the band around the village. Um, when they came home after
0: the 12th of July and I said, well, I want to do that. and um, That was the start of the band for me, really. Okay. That makes me probably the snapper of the group here. <laughs> I've known five years. Um, we yeah, <laughs> Still learning. Um, much the same as John. Actually, my uncle was on the band. He was a, a first looter and um, that would have been around 96, 1996. The band probably was a wee bit light on the ground back then and um he i was in p7 at the time and he said to me do you want to join the band and i says i want a drum he says well you have to learn the flute first 25 years old, we have to learn <laughs> <to the> drum. <laughs> it's actually me and me and uh, two fellows from from school from primary school actually uh, actually would be a my yeah. Cool. so me actually and simon we all uh, we all started to learn the flute together and fellow, Nigel Reed, taught us, uh, the Reverend Nigel Reed and I have uh, Tully Island and Mount Norris Presbyterian Congregations, who's well known to the Nelly band circles, especially down in Market Hall. So uh, we used to go down to his house in the village and spend an hour and out on the flute and take our music home and supposedly practice them the rest of the week. And then whenever we, we got the basics down, we were started then, we were ready to start to come to band practice, which... Uh, Whenever you're joining a park band, it's a very daunting thing. For suddenly, like, whenever the three of these are all playing the same thing, we all started on Third Foot. About four or five, sexual other parts school around you. Mm-hmm. Not to mention all the outboys smoking pipes in the corner, but that's, that's a different <laughs> story.
1: You we were saying that the problem was quite late in numbers. Uh, the fact that you joined the prom, it just, they were they just recruiting anybody, letting anyone in, were they?
0: Oh, no, I would say my, my uncle had been working on me for several, for several months. No oh, but certainly back then and down in the in particular, there was some very, very big blood and thunder bands in the gold. Like I can remember going to the, the hospital parade, a charity collection parade in the Castle there, and these massive blood and thunder bands from all over the north there uh, marching around the, sort of the diamond in the middle of the town and getting shook out of your skin. So I suppose I was always interested, and I suppose he just, he just snapped me up at, her at the right age. But just as Trevor was touching on there... um.
2: The Demograph, where we live, um, obviously we're right beside the border, um, near Strabah, OMA. Uh, and to my knowledge, I think we're the only park band in country Roe. So we're really the last remaining proper park band in the area. Um, but I think the sun on the ground thing, we, we'd always bought recruiting because of, of our Demograph. Um, even when I joined the band in the 80s, 81, as I said, I joined, I remember when I, my first grade was an Orange Service and went out was, at that time it was a black uniform, a gold braiding, and uh, white hat, and I don't have a hat, because the uniforms were getting scarce at that stage, we needed a new uniform, and then we had a big influx in 82 really, there was a new again. uniform came we yeah. with quite a big band again, but it seemed, like it was always going up and down, There was a bit of a ride, I'm sure you're all the bands to say sort of thing, but we just had a lot of borrowed recruiting in this area because of just where we live.
1: Yeah. I'm sure it's been hard over the years, you know.
3: When I joined in 59, with 36 on flute, we only had five drummers. We only had a small group of uh, drummers at that time. But uh, recent years, the drummer was a bigger. But the 36, we've never had 36 right? Like, in play at any given time. But you had 30 plus for quite a few years. And that's very normal. The troubles took a uh, big like, effect on us and did it deadly. But young people had more interest as well. So yeah, you're you're fighting against people doing other things, but you worked when I was a lad. I suppose the other thing too, there was a bit
0: of competition there. You had Big Building Thunder Bands, Castle Dare, Roma and uh, Newton Stewart. You know, I know you've you've spoken to Kenny and, uh, Kenny Porter in the past and like, I know he says that they were getting recruits from from as far away as Simmons. So that was kind of taken away from them. The pull of people we would have been recruiting from.
1: We'll probably delve into that a wee bit later on in terms of the history of the band and stuff.
0: No, I was just gonna say as well, the other
2: issue, uh, and this is not to take away from any other bands because everybody has their own list and what they do. Park bands, because of the difficulty level, level of the music they play, you don't just pick up a flip and go to the band within a couple of months and that's the other thing. You need a dedicated student if you want to bring something about. the band, which the other bands don't really have. I'm not saying they all don't have that issue,
1: but it's definitely not the same issue. You know, I definitely think when you're you're operating at different levels from just first flute, and then obviously when you're playing with a whole ensemble of flutes in a, a different range, it does put a, a very different spin on things, and especially maybe a, a younger person coming in and looking at that and going, hmm, I don't know about that.
2: A page full of dots, you know what I'm saying, right? Give me to to read this. What's that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I you know, that's it. When most Bonds are going on, running off the, the, the Spaghetti alphabet and stuff, you know, in terms of uh, turning the, the learn tunes and everything, yeah. What do you just kind of remember about those early days when you joined the Bond? What kind of things stand out for you? What are your, your keenest memories of when you first joined the Bond? Well,
3: I remember the two a play. We all gathered up in the Royal Village to be a part of the village in the morning. But uh, some of the wise were able to come round and hand you half a prayer or two shillings and that made their day believe you get <laughs> I
1: just want to clarify that for the listeners that you're you're talking about money. I'm all right. Um, I, <laughs> I remember
2: that well.
0: <laughs> to be fair, they moved up to decimal over the time I joined the band.
2: In <laughs> <laughs> well, my early days, again, it was it was something for a, a few of my friends were involved in the band as well. We came here to practice. Uh, there was a bit of camaraderie about it. The older hands of the band, we took you under their wing. It got you off the street. I'm um, yeah. sure it's true to today. Uh, very important. And if anybody in the band the seen you doing something you shouldn't be doing in the village, it'd have been the first ones. Only the one side and said, Don't be doing that. Yeah. Um, which was, was a good benefit. Socially it's a good benefit. Same houses, as I'm sure you're probably aware, Glenn, Would tend to be very a mixed community. Um, would have been growing up because it was one of the few mixed primary schools in the country. So the band was always fairly well accepted in the village by. All all parties, which i always thought was a, a good thing for the band, you know,
0: and still to this day, very much the way
1: it is, you know. Yeah, definitely. We'll we'll unpack that one a wee bit later as well, because I think I that's really useful for people to you know to, to hear about. Because in in, in general, the narrative that we hear about bands is that you know the other communities aren't really that accepting. And it's great to know that there's examples out there that, you know, yeah. kept that narrative on its head, you know. What about you, Trevor, Then what about your earliest memories? What do you, what comes to mind for you?
0: I think the thing for me was we were sort of, like I said, we 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 finished P7 and we started learning the flute. And when we got out in the road, then it was it was freedom. It was me and Ashley and Simon. I know you were on a bus away, you know, in another town or a village somewhere, and you were just left your own devices, you know, you could go and you know go the stalls or try and get into the pub. or you know, <laughs> Generally, you're having fun with friends. Was, at that stage, we'd all, you know, we'd all gone to secondary school, and the three of us went to different schools, and it was a way of meeting up with, you know, fellas that you would known since you were three or four. but motherly' you know, Simon and i some sort of left and moved away, but, you know, it was just that sense of freedom whenever you're sort of, you know, 12, 13-year-old.
1: Obviously, you've already made some views of heart music band. Did you just come into the pond? No one... How to read music? Or was that part of your learning experience?
3: My father taught me how to read the music. He was bandmaster for nearly 40 years. So he, and however, he taught music, man, as well as bands, church choir stuff like that. But uh, he taught me, uh, and he had home off the be hurt before he even started that tune. So I was taught that at 11 years of age.
1: Was that at home? Did he do that at home with you?
3: My father actually, uh, we used uh, one of the one church halls and, and the village. At times, but we also used uh, our house and down the, down the road. The, the man at the house the name named the memorial of Robert Coyham he had a wee shed right at the back of the house. My father would have trapped lads on, on the back shed as well. And that's I'm saying. We walked up here, a little snow back in the days, it's about roughly a mile walk on it. Now, my father was very thorough and and i you want to learn, you knew your art, or else you knew all about
1: it. And what about the rest? Did you all learn when you joined band as well? I was just
3: starting secondary school, so I started
2: to see much music at school, but I'll be honest, I never really pursued, pursued it much at school, which is surprising. Since that, I've been in dance bands for 30 years now, and I, you know, I love music. But my first proper introduction would have been a foot band. Davey, at that stage, was bandmaster when I joined the band. I was a student of Davis. But then like, there came a point, Davey says, right, I'm going to send you, as far retired at this stage, um, he says, I'm going to send you to my dad. So I think I'm proud to say I'm the last pupil that Joe McCallum had. you for um, At that stage, his father would have struggled to blow the foot. But, but he'd been sharp enough to be to tell you what you're doing wrong. And I used to call after school a couple of days a week. And he would have sat and went through the chimney and he would have stopped you if it wasn't right, you know. Um, Again, that was that was my introduction to it all and basically taught me anything I ever learned about
1: reading music. How did you find that experience then, uh, John, in regards to obviously being taught by somebody who was as obviously held in some high esteem in the band? What was that like as an experience?
2: I, was, I felt very privileged. Um, I still feel privileged about that. Just the fact that I'd always, obviously everyone in the band always talked about Joe and Joe's band. Before that time, obviously, it would have been Joe's band. And the great bands that they had in the past, they had the opportunity to go and learn from them was, was something else, you know. I learned an awful lot from David. David got me the high standard before I went here.
3: His mm-hmm. father. And again, it was an enjoyable experience. I loved
2: it. It made you figure a part of something.
1: Is there anything in particular that you, learned, you still hold on to today? Probably
2: the biggest thing I can say to anybody that's interested in part bands. Or is involved in park band. The most important part of a park band is ball. Everything has to complement each other. Some people have ideas about loading up the bass end and having very little the front. But I'm a big believer you can't have harmony without melody. And your melody has to be right, but you don't want the melody too strong either. So that would be my biggest thing whenever I would be. We're a band the that I try to balance as best I can with the
1: people I have. And is that something that maybe came out of the time that you spent with, uh, with David's dad as well, helping learn a lot of balance aspect?
2: Oh, without was doubt. good. As David commented comment earlier on, about the uh, drum corps changed. The drum corps that time, you were saying four or five drummers, which mm-hmm. really didn't do your We were staged stage the 12th of August it was a couple of years ago. We think like, we'd made ten tenner, didn't we? Aye. We'd sort of got them all from when they arrived, Geared into the idea that to impress how good at what you're doing is, you need to have the lights and softs and got them toned down. And to be fair to them, quite a young drum corps, they, they've done a great job of it, I have to say. And I think you were surprised they would work doing that. under 18 years of age,
1: isn't it? On their, on their, Probably yeah. one of the better drum corps that we've had, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. I know that having had to conduct a couple of ponds myself at times, sometimes keeping drummers at bay, especially indoors, simply a, a yeah. tricky task, you know, getting those guys to, to stay quiet, like you know. So um
2: usually I'm gonna we'll take maybe one drummer and at most two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: good so what about you? What do you what do you what are you, you, you kind of coming in on
0: that thought? I can only agree with you on it's again I go back to that first time I came up to to the orange hall of the band practice and I was surrounding a room of people um a lot older than me all playing different things and even today you know, as, as the bass player standing at the back, you can hear everybody doing something different, and um, mm-hmm. include the drummers in that too, because the, the drummers are a part and kind a of part band. Everybody's playing something different, but all together it sounds fantastic when it's put together. And it's, as John says, it's, it's all nicely balanced, right? Um, yeah. It's it's just something to hold. It's something unique. That's you know, so, you know when you're talking to people that play and from their bands, they don't they don't seem to get it as much. They don't understand the grass because it's. Noise isn't
2: what yeah, what we're not going to try
0: and achieve, whereas they're what they're trying to achieve definitely. You know, yeah. I, remember, I remember one night we'd done a pre-doma and we were going up up the main street up towards the courthouse and there was a I know there's one of the local loan bands coming down the other side of the road and we walked by them playing a ham and it didn't take one flinch out of us and talking to someone afterwards, you know, they didn't really understand how they didn't blow us off their road. Because you all play at the same time as you's all breathe in and then he's playing when he's breathed out. But we're playing all the time. Somebody's playing, you know, after time.
1: Somebody's playing high register. Somebody's playing low register. The drummers yeah. are all different things. So it's, it's, it's something completely different. I think that's one of the things that, that I've noticed recently. And I, I don't tend to get into, you know, criticizing stuff. But I know that one of the things that for me is, especially listening to the Apart Bond, is that you know, you've got the full, you know, audio spectrum being presented in terms of you know, that bass mids we usual talking about balance. And what I find is that with today, the blood and thunder bonds are very much in the high register for everything. Everything's in that travel range. You know, the drums are high tension, they're in that travel range. The fruits are playing in the top register almost all the time. And the only thing that's odd in any bass, and that's maybe why they're sometimes they're beating a life out of their bass drums, is is the bass drum is the only thing that's providing any kind of bottom end and that middle. You know, that mid is scooped completely out, and it just it has a thin sound, doesn't it? You
2: know, a very good example of what you're saying right Danny. what you're saying is 100% right. Bike lights, drones. Drones carry for miles and noise of them, and it's, that's bass and mud. It's, there's no treble on that. You know what I mean? It's that sound. And, and they're missing out the, if they want
3: volume. It's not all about being up high.
1: Yeah. No, it is. And one of the things I remember, I remember having a conversation with someone, I was like, well, see if these guys played in the mid-register more often. You used to be a lot louder than, than what you used to do playing up around that, those top Gs, top Fs, top As. Uh, and you know, the
2: funny thing was we played at the district black Parade and got a few years back. I think we were at about 10, so it's, I think 10, maybe 12 at the most. Um, and a certain man, which I'll remain anonymous, um, well, no band, good band. We're walking past either side of us, as and they were walking along the street during the break. And one of them shouted across the street to the other guys, "Lucky said, hear that for a volume? He says wooden flutes." And that was, you know and that sums it up. I'm a big believer in wooden flutes, even. Mm-hmm. I know the park bands for doors and they're all playing, you know, concert flutes, etc. And lovely tone, and obviously the tuning is a lot better. See for the street, they're useless. You would need twice as many, if not three
1: times, as many flips to get them out. Yeah, yeah. you And know, there's there's something about that, you know, that even the, a number of bonds that I know have switched from those CrossFit-type flutes or the, the, the Cliffy Rays. And so I know there's been a few of the Blood and Thunder bonds have went to the, the Miller-Wicks style of thing. And you can definitely tell the difference in terms of what they sound like on the road, you know, in terms of the tone that they're getting and, uh, you know, just their... There's a sweet spot with the the flutes that they they seem to be able to they hit that those the the metal flutes just don't seem to be able to, to do for them you know
2: we struggled for a number of years David uh, vouched for this That obviously the crown of Zed was the, the rules right um, mm-hmm. I'd love to get our hands on all the crown of Zeds over here to thing wherever they went to but you know there's very maybe
1: one or two floating about now that's a bit dangerous sure. I think more of the supply is with the white rock. <laughs> The weight rock playing a full set of crying
2: For years we were trying to find substitutes. I remember we sent in London, we sent, sent over a Krannins to get it made and it just wasn't the same. And to yeah, be, it's to it's be fair, fair Mollerwijk have done the best job of getting anything close to it. We were, we're playing Mollerwijk now and I have to say um, very impressed uh, across range with, with Mollerwijk Fs as well. Mark. Brilliant.
3: Really happy with yeah,
1: them. Dave, you were going to come in there were you?
3: The, the pickle that I've got at the present it, minute is probably the only thing that's in the band. It must, be that, it must be 80 years old, wasn't it? I think Robert, Robert Clint played it this time in Robert, late in 1860. So I was playing it long before that. And I know serving's perfect, isn't it? You know, how you lift a flute sometimes and you've you got the scale and you, you know hearing we slate and all you can do about it. There's always one or two. The just... the flute's great. Right. But the pickle's absolutely spot on because
1: it it but that comes back to what you're talking about blend and balance, isn't it? You know, and you know, you, I don't want to write really play with the, the Ball McCart, the they switched the Millerworks, but they had a very old Piccolo as well. And uh Big Murray Higgins, he wouldn't switch. You know, I was like kind of going, Listen, this thing is sweet, and it blended in lovely. Do you know what I mean? It didn't it didn't need any adjustments or anything like that. maybe goes down to something about the, the quality of instruments that used to be made and uh, what, what what they've been replaced with with now. I mean, we're replaced with a couple of decent, you know, makers of, of flutes and stuff, you know, I think, you know, obviously Miller works do a great job and uh, I think Peter World does a great job with, with his flutes as well and then there's obviously the the the, the, Miller, um, the Molum flutes as well, I think, you know, are, are pretty decent, All you know, the Regimental play a full set of of, of those and they're a pretty, pretty sweet set of flutes as well, you know, so we're, we're we're not Stuck for, for good manufacturers anymore,
2: not anymore. Now, we did the three
1: in the 80s and 90s, they mm. struggled a lot during time trying to get an decent. Yeah, so maybe what we can do is maybe talk a wee bit about the sort of the history of the bond. that guys, we're heading a wee bit into that, and I think there's maybe some nuances with with the common oil that maybe set these apart. These have talked about being part bond, and then obviously, you know, Max and Andy's are still playing the wooden flutes. And everything. So maybe we can uh, delve a wee bit into the into the history of bond, give people a bit of an insight into when the bond started, you know, and some of the things that you've went through over the years. Because obviously there's a range of experience there in the room, um, going all the way way back. I'm not obviously saying that you're ancient, Dave either, but um, you know you've obviously got um, the senior head on there. And uh, maybe we can delve into some of the history of the bond and some of the things that makes the current memorial unique never are a story
0: really, for the early, early stuff. So we right. need all off at the beginning. I will at the beginning then. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you this. This came about, Len. Um, we're 125 years old this year, um, which, you know, as you said, ties in with a sort of a Northern centenary too, nicely. But um, actually, it was our 120th anniversary five years ago. We started thinking a little bit more about our history, and I kind of took it on myself to actually try and figure out, you know, when we started and what our early history was, because, you know, being so old, it's passed out in love memory now, and mm-hmm. it actually came up around the same time as a, as a very old and long-served worshipful master of the lodge where it has to it passed away as well. So the earliest record there is of a flip band on Mills is 1896, and we kind of take that as our accepted Anniversary date, so that makes us 125 uh, years old this year. So it was back in the 1890s, you're talking that's second home rule bill, you know, home rule crisis territories. Mm-hmm. There was, especially in this area, there would have been a real uh, explosion of uh, orange lodges being set up uh, in this area. And so, saying Mills was no different. As John's mentioned, the village that you know, where, where we're from here, it's always been a very mixed community, and that's kind of the way it always has been and, and supposedly still is. It was set up as a, as a village attached to the, the linen mill, which was in operation since the 1830s or something like yeah. that. So it was around the 1890s uh, there was an orange warrant issued a, a guy called John Lindsay and Sian Mills. Now nothing really happened for a few years or there's definitely no record of it, but certainly then in 1895 this orange lodge sort of sprung into operation. And then in 1896, and it's there in the local newspapers, the 12th of July, uh, Saint Mills, Orange Lodge was there with their flute band. So that's the first actual written record of us. Um, we're very lucky, actually, there's a photograph in existence. It's probably 1898, 1899, again, of a local club. And uh, there we are. It's proper. You know, it's, it's a prompt, I'm guessing, of a proper you know, glass plate photograph taken from back in the day. Lovely secret tone thing. And you know, there there they are as sort of the you know, the I suppose the, the sons of William flute band, I suppose they were taking their name from the lodge. A lot of young boys, probably sons of the orange men and all the rest. Very simple, you know, probably more face, one key flutes. I wrote drums, big massive, looks like a cast iron triangle, something that was probably made in them all. <laughs> God <laughs> love all the young cubs that had to carry that thing. But uh, there we are, anyway. Um, again, lots of young cubs, a couple of couple of outer hands, our first bandmaster, the guy that kind of probably founded the band, was a was a man William Houston from St. Malls. Again, officer in the Lodge and all the rest. So um and I suppose that's that's the way we continued, you know, a large band, you know, from the start, as as mm-hmm. most bands are, are in the in the early days. Um there's a record, actually, that comes from the, the large books, I think it's 1927, where they, they talked about a reorganization of the band. And it seems at that point, we became a part band. Um, you know, we definitely seem to expand out into all the parts. And definitely any any records that was after that, the recurring word in the newspapers is swing. So obviously, there was a bit of, a bit of melody and a bit of harmony going on there.
1: Okay. And how yeah. did you come across all that info then, Trevor? Where did you have to go to dig this
0: side? Um I've got to hand it to David McCallum here. Now, David has a lot of photographs. And again, you know, some of the stuff he would have he told me, especially getting back from his father's days. And again, I mentioned the late Mur, a, a you know, past master of the lodge. Certainly his father would have been a... Leonard. Leonard would have been, if not, a, a founding member, a very, very early member and a drummer himself. Uh, a man that was actually uh, recognized for his bravery in the first world war. And actually, there's a, a lot of the rest of the Glenelg's that comes from, from old newspapers. There's some very good records of, of local newspapers down in, in this part of the country. And uh, there was a lot of Saturday mornings spent in, in the library going through those. Needless um, to say, I was single at the
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. I'm sure you're <laughs> all
0: um, there's actually a very, a very poignant uh, article. It's the twelfth of July. I can't remember. It was 19, uh, 19 I'm Trying to remember the year, maybe nineteen seventeen. Actually, so this is still the First World war, war, and there's you know it was it's actually the first twelfth that was held for a number of years. Was obviously so many men were away off fighting, and it does talk about you know, it was a small district level twelfth, not like what we're probably going to have this year. And it does make reference to, you know, some local bands are made up of boys. And it sort of is a pointed remark. And the same old slip band was made up of only nine flutters. So it actually kind of implies there where the rest of our band was. They were probably in France and Belgium. Mm. Um, unfortunately, we don't have, have great records of you know people that maybe fought, served or died. But certainly, you know, there's there's written records of our of our, maybe not earliest days, but certainly those early decades. Well, our early lodge
2: records were um, damaged, water damaged, wasn't it? Yeah. There was a flood at the hall. So a lot
0: of those early records, which would probably be been lodge records, mm. well, were all lost over a year's back. Yeah. But we've kind of pieced, pieced some of, the of the gallery, yeah. um, it back together, again.
1: We're pretty sure these so- Some of that stuff that linked people to the war yeah. and, you know, what the fallen, you know, in terms of the first war, that'd be really amusing if these could do that, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, we've talked about different ways of maybe even trying to remember
3: past members of the band here, but again, that's sort of a like working process, fair yeah. progress. My grandfather, uh, Joe Michal, he was named after him, my father named after him. In fact, Joel my name as well, but he was a founding member of the Lodge in 1885, Wasn't it, remember? Yeah. And he uh, died in 1832 at a massive funeral, and at the cutting of a funeral on the high side of the local newspapers, was uh, one of the biggest funerals you know, seen in the area up that time, like. But uh, we had a pretty big lodge back in the old days. But, uh, all the years the lodge don't get it, but there's a motel marching from the first day that the band played until July up to now. with lodge and band. So hopefully I'm not the last one, but you never know. Hmm.
1: These feel like these feel like weird of history on your backs a wee bit, you know, the fact that your band is this old and you have dealt a wee bit into your history. Do you, do you feel like that places any kind of weight on your shoulders you The one in terms of, one, keeping the traditional alive, but also doing something to ensure that it continues on long after you guys have been here? Well,
2: just to touch maybe on my sort of more recent history from the 80s when I've been involved with the band, which probably throws a bit of light on this as well, really. As I said, 82 was probably a, a more of a bumper year because it got in uniform, numbers were up. Went through stages, numbers dropped again. Um, one, of the, one of the issues, again, and this is probably coming from a band being so old, is there's a lot of aged members um, mm-hmm. over the years. So you're always losing a few people because of that. But the other problem is the band can become very separate ways. Mm. Um, I went through the stage probably in around 87 or so. When the band really got to the stage, we were 12th of July, Black Saturday, Orange service. And I was calling sort of at 16, so I had a real keen interest on in it at that time. So the problem you run against then is that you're trying to play a very high level of music with people that have capabilities of being very, very good musicians who are meeting up four times a year to play these tunes. Mm. And I found it very frustrating and briefly ducked out for about two years and learned to play bagpipes. But every 12th, when I would have been coming home, I would have landed in the village with Kilt Song, I would have joined with the band, I got a of and jumped on the ranks and played the volleyballs in the evening. Mm. Um, so that was an issue for a while. Um, Say so it moved on, 90s, coming around to probably more recent times. We we're very lucky when we, we had an folks. Again, a couple of families, really. Um, we have got involved, young membership, very keen, dedicated to practice. And we ended up probably, and I think David would agree with us, probably since his father's time, we probably had the best band we've had in 40, 50 years. Uh,
3: the the we
2: worked that. a lot on the chin learned a lot of the which which, which would sort of was stuck with the scene, chin for years. Mm. Put a lot of work into it, and took ourselves to a, a, a lot higher level than we've been in years. And there's been a lot of fun
3: to get there. Done a couple of competitions as well, and quite a few concerts, and that helps to, to improve mm. you. you a little easier to improve until you... Can you hear a record of what you're playing? Or? I can be a bit of a taskmaster at times.
2: The, the competition thing, to be honest, um, we got invited to some of these things as opposed to going looking to do them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we only ever wanted to do them for fun. Uh, we never wanted to take it too seriously. The thinking, my thinking and, and general thinking from everybody here was that we practice, we're picking those tunes, we'll do them, we'll play them the best of our holiday, we'll go on and enjoy our day out. We don't really care what happens after that. And that was really the way we've done it. Um, no attention to the competition band because that's another stress out not all. But come back to what you're saying, yes, there was years that the band was on its knees. We thought about maybe having to go revert back to the first foot. Because we've been in the band so long. You're scared to walk away because who's going to come
3: and follow on to do what they're doing? And you don't want to see the band fall after so long. So, like, I to answer your question, I don't know. There's a big weight in your shoulders. Yeah. It's more of responsibility, I think. I think I'm like, you've been on for so many years. And you have it here in your heart. You have it in your head. You have it in your heart. Mm-hmm. That's where a band's one. If you have it in your heart, you're not a band's Oh, that's that's, you know, i not a really to here. You haven't got in your heart, but you're not a band's
1: No, I hear what you're saying. I, 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 I suppose for me, it odds, something different, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the fact that there is that long history connected to the bond and it's a, especially if you end up having some level of responsibility for the bond in regards to playing and looking after things and possessing leadership, you know, you are going to feel something slightly different, you know, and obviously a lot of bonds and, you know, currently are experiencing sort of 50, 60 year anniversaries and stuff, you know, and, uh, but that's, a wee drop in the bucket with, with with you guys and where you come from. So it's uh, some bonds are heading in that direction, but uh, it, it definitely sounds to me like you know there is it brings something else to, to the table. One of the things you did mention there, Trevor, was that you know, the bond, and SD was under the Sons of William, which was the name of the lords that you were attached to. Where did the bond's name change? Was well, David mentioned
0: there? There. For a time we would have been known as the Cyan Amateur flip band. Largely we still haven't gone pro. Mm-hmm. But uh I think the the, the name Cyan Amateur came about probably around that 1927 mark, whenever we reorganized yeah, it as a park band. And there's still actually a drum, uh I think it's a drum line out in the hall here that actually still says the like big crest painted on it, uh Saint Amateur flip band. Well, it might say a trophy. <laughs> we must have won a competition and it says Saint Amateur. I'm not a big So It gets wheeled out for a laugh every, every <laughs> year. But the A.M. Memorial uh, came around from, as Davey said earlier, was, uh, the previous pickle player before you actually Robert David, was, was Robert Coyne. Um Again, Robert was, uh, I, I heard say some, at one point Robert Cohen was the band. Um, as Davey said, uh, his father Joe would have taught people to learn how to flute. Uh, up at Robert's house. Um, Robert would have lived about a quarter of my new nest away from the Orange Hall where we practice. He was uh, he was an Orange man. He was a Black man. He was an apprentice boy. He was the caretaker of the Orange Hall. I think he was a, he was a special. He was a he was a lot a lot yes. of things. <laughs> he was a piccolo player as well, and uh, I suppose one of our absolute most senior members, uh, Foster Patterson. Mm-hmm a game like Davy can maybe remember Robert in the band says pick a little play and it was like a bird singing in your ear Mm. Um, Robert actually died as Davy says in 1960 Mm. uh, very young 30, 31 years old of pancreatic cancer Mm. and uh, basically not, not long after that the band held a meeting and it was uh, Wally Booth. You no, know, it for reason, yeah. Yeah, the the Booths would have been a, a, a big uh, part of the band in their day too. he proposed that uh, the band would get renamed in Robert's Honour. So the drum that we have that says Cowan Memorial or sorry, um, Simon's amateur flip band on the, on the shell the very unceremoniously painted Kyle Memorial on the, on the, on the skins mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's something to see. it's like the, the drum with two names <laughs> but at that point then we became the Kyle Memorial flip band and that was 1960, and here we are in 2021. We're talking about Flips and something actually, uh, obviously we've been Madmaster, I have some of
2: the, the stuff to about. There is a crown in his head that belonged to Robert Cown, Um And the reason I know it was his, is he actually had a part of a finger. One that one. be finger. And there was a bit, well, he's one of the keys. We have a, it's, it's never real, it's not real.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: of you know, later history, and... Again, it's nice to still have that. Sure. I go to D. We play our you It's like an elf sunset.
3: I close. He couldn't play that G sharp. That finger, so he he had a curved card on it. So he used that index finger, right handy, okay, to open the key. Okay. okay. Uh, think about it, you know, when you were there, but he was fantastic. fantastic. That was the beauty of having uh, Herman's London
2: Mall. But a lot of people who were mechanics and stuff there in there. So then I ever got broken on a foot or whatever it sent down to the telling shop with everyone's and it was fixed down there. <laughs> okay. <Perfect. laughs> That's
1: I'm what kind of... of connection is there apart from the name of the band? Is there still a connection with the current kind of family to any shape or form, or is that long gone? Robert was the last. He had a, he had a brother played the band, but he went to
3: Scotland. He uh, he's called James Clown. But uh, the, the, the band was, the, was a lot of family connections in our band, actually. Wells, maybe Callant or the Ash Harpers, Patterson's, uh, the other
0: half of the original.
3: Givens, and uh, if you had that all up, you have a band on your phone with, with all them people and, and all you know, and quite a few rather than the long time, but they'll spare around over years as, as well, you know. Yeah
2: through the history now, they might be able to say a name, but there's, there's
0: roots, there. Uh, yeah. I suppose you're saying, Glenn, yeah. and the Cardinals, Robert, and his brother was probably the last one. And yeah. Actually, James Carden got our relatives of James and actually got in contact with us over Facebook there a number of years back. So I think it was whenever we had our 120th anniversary, on a version. That's that right, was obviously there was people know, the that... times got in touch, which was nice, you know, that they did not get in touch with us again. And I suppose going back to the very early history, I know again it's passed out of memory now, but James Cowan Sr., I'm guessing, would have been again, maybe not a founder, but a, a very, very early member of maybe a member in Band the Lodge. And actually, he had a brother, um, his name escapes me now. Uh, but there's records of him being killed in the First World War. So again, there's there's a lot of history between the Cowan family, the village, and the band. It's just, I think Robert was
1: probably the last of them. Right, no worries. And I suppose, obviously, yous, do you do anything in terms of uh, is there anything you do on an annual basis to kind of, you know, either commemorate Robert apart from obviously maybe I don't know whether you do something to, to, uh, around that or not? Well, last year
0: actually would have been the 60th anniversary of his death. Right, just was, in 60? February. No, just because it was February 2020 and a pandemic was just kicking off. We we couldn't actually do anything physically, but but certainly on our you know, uh, you know Facebook and Twitter and our social media, we definitely We're made a point up. of of uh, sort of marking the date.
1: And is there any other parts of your history that you just kind of recall on a regular basis? Are there any other things that you know the bond have kind of not enshrined, but you know you know what I'm saying that there's there may be key things that are really relevant to you as a bond that you, you, you commemorate on a regular basis.
2: Not overly, but I'll be honest with the, the latest Purple Patch we've really have the band, we became a lot more aware um, of what we, what we have as far as, you know, it, we've made it a priority to make sure that we honour people that are in the band, that have been in the long number of years, that have shared us. I think it's very, very important. We've become a very close-knit group, which I think is the key to anything. If you've been an organisation where people are working for each other, I think it's, that's the key to everything. Mm. But as I say, we, we do try to be more aware of what, what's going on. even if it's, say, um, a couple in the band's having a movie, or you know, we make sure that we, we do something for that, or you know, definitely got more aware of those things than we would in the past. As
1: I say, when we went through a stage where we were meeting up three times a year. You know, um, you're not really sharing a lot of history. With the only ones if you're only meeting three times a year. Anymore. Yeah, no, definitely relationships are really important, aren't they? And I think if you're going to keep that longevity um, going, then you know you need to build relationships and do things. You know, it needs to be intentional rather than just accidental, doesn't it? You really need to build stuff in. I know a all, lot of bonds. So recently, obviously, just either prior to COVID. As well we're starting to do things what they they were calling like our wellness committees you know that they were doing things to make sure that um they were interacting with each other obviously as bonds get really big some some of the really bigger bonds were doing stuff to make sure that everybody was in you know had some level of relationship with each other because you could turn up their practice and talk to three people and somebody might not see somebody else at a practice for like 10 weeks even though they've been there every week just with the absolute size of a bond you know you can kind of get lost in the midst of all that, and I think that's one of the things I've always loved being part of smaller bonds. is because you, you you can't get lost in the in the mix or whatever. You know, you're all you're everybody's extremely important to the life of the bond, and they, you can't not help but be in relationship with each other. It's it's a real thing that bonds have really started to be intentional about, and it's great to hear that you guys are are doing that thing as well. You know, let's let's make this a priority for us because if we don't, then it's easier for people to fall away if they don't feel that like they've got any connection to each other.
2: That's part of it as well. It was, it was welcoming when we come back to
1: practice because we haven't seen each other because of COVID. And see, just seeing everybody again.
3: You know, forgetting about the practice, but it was just nice seeing friends again. Where do you hear from me? Can they end having
0: a full practice? <laughs> but I
1: started as He says, right, you better play. It. <laughs> <laughs> and have you, have, you, have you slotted back into things, you know, now that you know, you're able to potentially practice again and stuff?
2: More or less... Um
3: 40 day, is we're um, we'll
2: gonna first, first of of July that'll be our first um item. We're just gonna do a, a memorial. We have a, a memorial here in the village, one memorial. and if I would
1: say had so two, So, do we're gonna do that. Yeah. Um but you lost my train of thought there again, sorry. You're All right. right, I was asking about uh you know, in terms of you slot it back into things now that these are back into practice.
2: Basically, I obviously there's a lot of things that have happened in the year and a half. Some people's circumstances have changed and made it more difficult for them. Um, this year for us is really we're going to try and just regroup and get on with it and and see where we're sitting at the end of 2021.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll ask you a bit later on maybe plans that you have in that regard. And I know that uh, a lot of bonds had stuff that was shelled um, because of COVID and things that they're maybe trying to find other ways of bringing that back in. Obviously, the, the idea behind the podcast here is to share positive stories about the bond scene. Because um, obviously, we get a bad rap. Um, but the best part, you know, the narrative usually about marching bonds in Northern Ireland isn't necessarily always positive. And uh, I'm just wondering if you want to share what some of the positives are that you've got out of being in a band?
3: Um, I remember in uh, 1962, it well, was the 50th anniversary of the sign of the Coleman, and there was a massive parade, probably the biggest parade ever in Northern Ireland. It was the 20th, 29th of September, I think it was. But uh, they're a big band in the end of but went up to get off fast. And um, if you move 10 yards away, you lost know, your band. The crowds was amazing. And some of the bands I've never seen life before, like, uh, I've seen Raven Hulstead bands the first time ever, and they were the band at that, that time, like, but that's uh, something i never, never forgot, I was, I was 14, I was playing yeah, second to it, I think, but it uh, six so, my, my mind. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you remember that day? Because obviously, obviously, I wouldn't have been alive and then, but you know, 50 years in after the covenant, it's still pretty close, you know, to the actual, you know, saying, what what was the, what, obviously great crowds, what was the atmosphere like? Fantastic. The
3: many, uh, small and showgrounds. showgrounds, uh, the match was signed we moved to Belfast many years He was not. he heard a band of one time, man called oh, well, Roy Ross, and he showed the crowd and the showgrounds on the on and he was on the same but that time, we're playing the end of Light. And he uh, said, the crowd got up high and they applauded us over the march way on past. He says, he never seen nothing like it. The band was terrific that day. And my father always, well, even well, sadly, he'd gone, but father thought always talk about that day. And we marched through all moral, and the, the crowd just gives a fantastic re- re- reception. That made me remember it, but I was there. So. Mm-hmm.
1: What would you what would you say you and I know that's maybe a, a great experience of What would you say that you know that you personally maybe have got out of being a member of a bomb, what, what what way has it influenced or what way has it positively influenced your life? Well, I love music. I love
3: someone that's got like classical, country, anything. My mum's got right? a good melody, and for me, that doesn't came that from us age playing. My, my dad would often play it, but. Uh, just come out of them part of me from, from the word go. I said, like, I tried on seven, I tried not nine, but sort of 11, I sort of managed fairly well. Like. But uh, no, I, I just got just into my being my just from then. And even now, 73 years of age, I'm, I'm still as much a heart in the band as I, as I had when I was 14.
1: You don't look 73, make good grief. <laughs>
3: That's a good air up here. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: So yeah, maybe maybe plan a flute keeps you young. Eh? Um John, what about you? What would you say that you've got out of pain and upon? What are the positives that it's brought to your life? Um, again,
2: I'm like uh I have a great love for music. Um, I have all my life. Uh, I give me a basis reading music. Um for actually all the things that I do regarding music, I would say the band as my business for everything a game later. I've uh, been able to read music, time and blend, all those things. Um, so that was the musical side of it. As far as being, it's a positive influence. It's been a positive influence in my life. Met a lot of friends. Um, because the type of band we are, as I said, and you always had a, a senior. We'll use the word senior. of people in the band, players in the band. There was a discipline not, not as their authoritarian discipline, but they were, they were looking out for you, but they were also teaching you at the same time. You might not realise that when you were young enough, but you realise that in the later years, they were, they were trying to teach you right from wrong. As I said, they would let you up for an ear the, the of the village doing something you shouldn't do. You know? But you basically got yourself into a big family, and let's be honest, if you're in an orange hall or a church hall or an instrument, you're not out in the streets throwing stones, you know, or in something or whatever it may be. Um, as I say, that would be my the
0: biggest
1: thing that I would say to the
0: band was um, on. John, what about you? I suppose on a very personal level, and we're just talking about this, a practice to learn. I? I met my wife, at, you know, at a band parade. You know, that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't on a band. Um, again, as John says. Uh, made friends, you know, made family quite literally, uh, through this band. And above all else, it's it's a you know learning an instrument is a life skill. I didn't learn to read music at school. Um I learned it here, band practice. You know, learning to play, you know, learning to play flute, you know, it's it's, it's easy to carry. Uh it's and it's a great distraction from you know from from work, from, you know, just from from life, you know. Just to be able to pick it up at home, or come up to band practice for an hour or two, and just you know, do something really enjoyable with friends and family. Um, it's just, it's just great.
1: Well, did you find yourself picking it up during COVID a lot? You know, in terms of lockdown side of things, was the instrument something that you reached for regularly, or? <laughs> I
2: have to be honest. I, I I wasn't, but that tends to be about me anyway. Just from the fact that, as I say, I don't know played in dance bands for years and I got to the stage where you're out every weekend playing my band the guitar in the in the, the van or the trailer all week because you didn't want to look at it because you're going off of it the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a bit like that to a step back. But that's, as I say, that's just me. Um I also great like that was of sensitive for uh, during COVID people are talking about people's mental state, you know, and mindfulness and all that sort of thing. Learn a musical instrument. Should it be a flute or whatever it is, without a doubt, you should be doing that. Go away and spend half an hour and an hour playing it every day. There's
3: nothing better for clearing your head. Oh, I remember I really? will do it. So got the bath after the me. You don't get good acoustics on the bathroom. That's a fight. Well That is true with the bathroom acoustics. That's you hear me? Read right the whole cool. thing. <laughs>
1: I'm not too sure I'd want to crown easy in the bath with me now, you know. <laughs> so dropping that thing in the water, no. <laughs> at, no,
3: being fish, not a shore, you think some people, and, no, that's a, a very thing. It's just a lovely instrument, and you, if can play it reasonably well, you can play it practically any area you want to. Show. People find the fact that some and are offensive,
1: mm.
2: which is a total misconception. um as David says,
1: it's like a wonderful instrument on Dave and, and it's generic the whole range of, you know, traditions and stuff. You know, it just doesn't come from, you know, the, the Loyalist Unionist tradition. It, obviously, the flute's used in a wide range of settings. Obviously, it's a classical instrument as well. You know, and I often find it very, very strange, you know, that you, you see people talking about being offended by it. You know, and at the end of the day, for me, it's music. You know, and... and-
2: to make it to yeah, exactly.
1: It's it. a lot of those tunes are all very, very similar in terms of under derivatives of older older melodies and things like got There and I think for me at times whenever people start uh, attributing things like sectarian to it, kinda going, I don't know how you get that from just listening to a piece of music because you're the one hearing the words. You know, you're the one who's maybe looking at at this a different way. All all it's all that's happening here is a band's walking past you and playing. Playing some music, and uh, it's your perception of what what's what's coming from that? Because I, I I had this conversation with a whole pile of people recently and stuff, and they're like going, all oh, these sectarian bonds." And I like going, "What? Where? Point out to me, you know, where the sectarian element is. You know, point out to me where all oh, they're playing the size." I was like, oh, where's the sectarian element in the size?" And they go, "Talk to me about the lyrics of the size. There's no sectarianism in the size, and it's actually based on an old." Irish melody? Is it something? Is it the hot My father words based on as well? I said, like so. It's a, it's it's a derivative. It's what pop people. It's what pop musicians do now with old tunes. They put new words on older tunes and stuff. You know. I said so. It's it's a tradition thing that's been going on in the world for for years and years. It really it bemuses me. You know. So Davy, you were going to say something there. I uh,
3: was a kid, legally a entry, and three-year television. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, we get that from that. a Catholic band. There's a Gaelic Park band in our village—a day we played like just, I'll say, shortly after the Second World War. Parts, technical first, second, second, eight, he played, yes, he played, yes. But we got the, we got the Nicky church site like, from, uh, from, them, the village band and No, it's not. We're
2: There's stories that maybe David can confirm this that at that stage they used to share instruments. Oh yeah. You know, the Gaelic band was the day that.
3: We would have left and stuff, and then they came back, and that was going on. Call them Rohars, nickname, I they're called the Nohars, probably a nickname, obviously, but they're saying someone I can't remember the name. They're saying trees on that shirt. So right? They're all locals, local people, you know, that's why they're living under their village. People got on. People go mm. on ideas, but politics, but have never come out anti hatred, but like that.
1: Yeah. And you were saying earlier on, obviously, the the village is quite mixed in, uh, but it doesn't really seem to to cause too much of a problem with the bond being in existence?
3: None.
2: The bond, you know, as long as I can remember, it would have been marched around the village on the month of July when he came home, and everybody was out to see the bond. Not one side of the community, it was everybody. We would have a lot of respect. Um, if there, for instance, if there had been a death in the village, we'd make sure we wouldn't play passing that house, or if we knew there was a service on the local church or chapel, we'd make sure we didn't play when we were passing that. Again, it's sort of a uh, torrent, really, and it's been the way it has been, and I, I can't say that we've ever um, suffered the hands of any sort of negativity about the bombing in the village.
1: Yeah, no, there's something that you're 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 saying just in regards to respect, you know, but and a an knowledge of what's going on around you. It doesn't take too much to find out what's going on and, and afford, you know, people a level of respect, you know, whether you know, like you're saying, walking past and not playing, being aware of what's going on around you. I mean, that that doesn't take too much to do in time. You don't need to legislate for that level of respect, you know. What I mean, you don't need to have laws put in place for that. I mean, that's stuff that can be done, you know, if you're willing. to to, you know, engage in some shape or form and just say, well, let's you know what? I understand where the, what's happening here. There's a death in the family. There's something going on. Just as a matter of respect, we're not going to play Welcome Past. That doesn't take time once to do, sure does. I mean, and, and for the, the some of the song and dances that they get done around what bands play and where they are and stuff, you know, it it could be all sort of a wee bit more, you know, sort of simply than, than some of the stuff that has been put in place to try and deal with. I was thinking about... One of the plans recently, I don't know why you've heard the interview with Diana Culbertson, and she talked about one of the plans and the the, the hoo ha that they have to go through to parade through um their their village, you know, and every year there's another ten restrictions placed on them, and they have to jump through all of these hoops just to be able to walk through their their own village, you know, for maybe like an hour, and there's like something silly like there's hundreds of Things regulations that they've got to obey by, in order for them to be able to be walked in every year. There's something new, and I think has it really got into that kind of minutia that we're, you know, that we have to legislate for absolutely everything. It's just it's scandalous. I think if better relationships means we could maybe deal without that. So I'm not underplaying, sorry, underplaying some of the issues that bonds face and communities face and stuff. But it definitely seems to be very very convoluted now.
3: We're probably very fortunate, maybe in one respect, because on my time and father's time, no no problem marching around our village. Nobody said he shouldn't be here or you shouldn't be there. See, the good thing about this, all the streets were integrated. Even the houses just now, are still the same. We don't do a lot of houses just because it's sort of half half the route to be be easy to go around. But where we go, it's pretty much, and nobody... Ever come out and see? He shouldn't be here. But well, I would
2: say probably the fact that have been the band is so has been here longer than probably most of the people living in the village, if not all of them. Um, and we've physically stuck to the same route every year. And we're very conscious of the amount of times we're in the village in a year. Um, we we'll, we like to pray when we decide we want to pray, but we'll be careful
1: that we don't overdo it as well. As, yeah. as you said, you, you just have to in, bear in mind what's going on. And because we're so hot, you know what's going on with us. Everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. You should mention a few things in regards to tunes there. I think
3: you have mentioned,
1: you just mentioned one, and uh, also, I think, did you mention Dennis Delight? Yeah, I think he's
3: Yeah, I love you. Did your favourites, I? Good uh, Braden's.
1: Yeah, I love it too. That's I don't know. I obviously I, with reading a book and stuff. I've, well, I've spent a lot of time talking about that. the late Dance. that was one of my, and it's probably still is to some degree one of my favorite tunes. See, playing that on a B flat. Yeah, see, see, the first time I heard, um, the Predator even playing that, and then the 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 trio where, where it hits the low B, I was just for me was just like it was like magic going off in my ears. I was like, kind of going, what is this? I absolutely. I <laughs> love this. So anytime anybody matches Dan's the I'm kind of, I'm in on it and going, good stuff. It's nice to be able to be connected by a tune. But what about other guys there? What what about some of your favourite tunes? What, have you, what do you love playing? Well, one, one,
2: one of my sort of standing favourites has been Trevor Uh Again, for the same reason, uh, the, the trio on it is fabulous. Quite a difficult tune, but fantastic trio. We've just started to play a lot of Way in Love. Yep. Uh, uh, Orangefield and Moor Street and great melodies, you know. Yeah. Uh,
1: but most of, most of our tunes all dip back, weren't they? Uh, the i the early yeah. Right. And you Union, know, a lot of Ryan Union, old chums. You know, a mm. lot of stuff and all. Yeah, no, it, it's good stuff. I mean, I, I love an old, an old march. One of the ones that I, I, Nobody seems to really play anymore. It was I used to love playing true and trusty. Dragon Wee number and uh, very few people play it. And then another one I was talking with a a, a guy recently saying, oh, What would be one of your your top three marches? And one of the ones, uh, it was was controversy. Well, we heard that you should learn that way back another week old. Ralph I remember when yeah.
3: my father marched in the house.
1: It's a brilliant tune, absolutely. Again, three one on absolutely amazing. And another one I just came across recently, I've been spending a lot of time talking with Laurie Johnston and because uh, I've been doing some composing and stuff. I have a, a CD project on the way of original marches that I've been writing. And, uh, and he was kind of I said, listen, I'm looking for some inspiration. And he put me on the tune called Under the Stars. I don't know if you've come across that. Oh, but it is the best for you in a march I have ever heard in my life. It is so good. Check it out. If you go on to um Avondale Flutes and Drums on uh, YouTube and check it out Under the Stars, it is an absolute wonder march. It really is outstanding, and the music's available on uh, William Mullen's website, that the the Fyfers Cave. So there's a full set of full set of parts there, for it as well. Check it out, guys. It's really brilliant, brilliant stuff. Trevor, what about you? What's your what tune floats your boat?
0: I have to say, I'm sitting here thinking of all the stuff in the bag. Um, there's not one thing whenever John calls it, I go on. Now I have to agree with John. is saying is my, you know, I love playing it. I absolutely love that thing. Uh, An abiding memory for me, actually, for a whole pile of reasons. Um, back when we got our, our current uniform, 2015, I think it was. Um, You're the story. Um, <laughs> we, we, kinda, we ended up dedicating the uniform, not quite at the start of the season, but not quite the middle of it. And we kind of had one of those patches where we, everybody was asking to get out in their new gear, But there wasn't really any, anything too local. So we ended up going to Castle Dawson, they parade up there, and um, Castle Dawson, a bit like us, and uh, we landed and they says, look, uh, we'd like you to leave the parade. We've, this night can't get much better you know we're out in our new gear and we lead the parade oh, this is great lovely lovely summer evening. and we we just we just beat Ryan Castle Dawson doing our thing and we come back round to the start and I can close my eyes and still see it Cookstown Sons of William were forming up at the tail end of the parade getting ready to go and we were just coming round behind them Uh you know coming up behind them just to finish mm-hmm. and we were we were playing to and we just hit the trio me and my brother Play the bass and the bass part of it is absolutely it's totally lovely. It's, it's if there's a piece of music I have to put my, my hand on and say that's my favorite, that's the trio of True sign. And we were belting at out like of our two bass flutes, and the entire sons away and turn around to see what was coming up behind them. So that's that's sort of my abiding now of True Sang. But you know, there's there's things in there like Cross and Crown, it's a and so that's it's, it's uh, a it's a humble a little, little bit early that's mm-hmm. a it's a lovely piece of music but everything that John says I love Carnage Fado Jones Juke Street Juke yeah, yeah. Street lovely album yeah Juke Street wow, yeah Juke Street um i trying
1: to think what else our director <laughs> <laughs> Delphine, yeah I think I was in your service not the original
2: yeah. senior yeah. service started playing out there a couple of years back
1: we're actually just like we Oswald is of nice one of Right, okay, yeah, Oswald's one of those ones that for me, even my last of memory of Oswald is actually hearing it for the first time, but was by the Parade of the Mail, believe it or not. You know, um, the wee Glasgow band, um, making a comeback as well. I don't know why use it that they're they're back on the road again, um, after really? thirty years away. So they are. So they're they're coming back and uh but i remember them playing also but they did uh they i remember one hearing in the one time and they at the, at the introduction on oswald they used to hold that pause out after the first phrase for absolutely ages before they came back in you know so i did it i it just went silent for ages and then they had to wait on the drummer bringing them in and the drummer would have waited for ages, and people were thinking these guys forgot what they're playing they brought it back in you know <laughs> I don't want to that <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you mentioned a lot of William Love marches there as well. Is that, you know, is that a conscious thing in regards to, you know, obviously William Love being a, you know, a local man and, you know, in terms of rating a lot of marches there? Because you've mentioned senior service, you mentioned Orangefield, you've mentioned a lot of tunes that are, by, that are by William Love. Well, I would say
2: probably, like, David might be able to say more, but that's, some of these tunes have just been floating about for a number of years before they availability of uh, the internet. Mm-hmm. So, usually tunes came out as somebody knew somebody and knew somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would say a lot of the marches come from a long day. There's a reason for that. But Merstick was one we did play. Well, it was always floating about. We didn't play. And we learned mm-hmm. it back in the 90s, wasn't it? Early 2000s. Uh, when well, I start with uh, And this period, we we mm-hmm. relearned mm-hmm. it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we got then
0: my
1: Street and took a notion, i We learned to And personally, I, I, I just think the way he wrote some of the melodies, the melodies are beautiful. You know, There's the some cracking bass lines, though. Some cracking uh, bass parts uh, on William Love
0: Marches, isn't there? Absolutely. It's, it's a joy to play, actually, because I was listening to the last episode of the Brighton one and he was joking about learning the sash and there was only four notes. <laughs>
2: Common play some way I love stuff for more than four years. Are <laughs> <laughs> you really want to talk old chums? If you
1: come to play old chums, that's fantastic. Basically, yeah. you definitely don't want. You don't want to be walking up a hole, no, no, no. Because after you're not getting one, you're out with oxygen. <laughs> I know there's some there's some cracking stuff out for the thing. No, I, I do. I love the 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 and 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 Orangefield is absolutely fantastic. I love that just the way that it. It counters with everything else. It just, it just, he just, just had a knack of being able to put stuff together, you know. And you know, I sit and you know, listen back. I remember listening to the, obviously the Black Skull did a William Love tribute city you know, so that I don't know, Prince of the Realm, and uh, you know, and I was sitting listening to that and going, what, what I wouldn't have given to have spent maybe an hour sitting with someone like William Love to kind of glean some of the stuff that was going through his head and going, where did you pull this stuff from? Where did you get it? No, obviously, there's a, a natural kind of thing in regards to knowing how music works and whatever else, but putting it together, composing and putting it together in such a way that it's just, that it sounds like that would have been amazing. And the only other person I can attribute that to you in terms of modern day is, is obviously, is Laurie Johnston. I don't know why you've come across some of Laurie's, arrangements and stuff but i have to say a guy who is an absolute genius at putting new parts on on marches and i'll give you an example There's, he did one for me i wrote a, i wrote a tune funnily enough called made the prayer i wrote a march called made the parade and i was struggling with putting some of the parts to it and i got in touch with laurie and i said laurie listen i'm going to send you a tune if you don't mind would you give us a hand Maybe working out a bass put it on this here you know I'm, I'm struggling with you know certain sections of putting it together and he's like, all right, all right, no, no worries. Fire it over to you and I'll I'll give it a look. And uh, about four days later, he came back to me and he says, uh, I think I've got that finished for you, Glenn. I was like, right, there on, no worries. And uh, he sent, he says, I'll send you through. I've done it up on Sibelius here, I'll send you through the audio. Oh, I can't believe it. And he sent me through an F part, and I can't even play it. <laughs> and it's absolutely gorgeous, it's an amazing F part. But it is it is so tricky. It's not it's not funny. But he has just come up with this and put it together. And I was absolutely blown away. It's a real skill and something we we'll probably need more of, I think, in the bond scene now. You know, like a, while there's still a great plethora of tunes out there for you to discover, it would be great to have some more, you know, original pieces coming from within the bond scene as well. And, you know, bonds really taking that to heart and, and creating their own music again. I absolutely blown away by it.
2: I think so. Uh, the other thing we've talked about this for a number of years really is that uh, for me there's not enough uh, if you want to put a modern pop TV theme type chins on the bike, proper yeah. arrangements and parts just in the fact that if you can play something that people recognize I think it would help in recruitment. Mm. You've got the youngsters in the street here and you play something that they recognize Yes, I like do that. You know it's, I don't think there's enough of that. As you say, there's there's not enough skilled writers out there writing
1: music for food. Well, maybe one of the other things they to, to kind of talk about here is what are some of the things that your bond does for the community? There's a lot of you know, bonds involved, charity-based work and whatever else. You know, what kind of things do you guys get up to in terms of giving back to your community? Well, ever,
2: let's say Touchness or of that we held. Was the year anniversary,
0: wasn't it? Um, yeah again it was our, our our anniversary was actually then obviously the centenary of the song as well um we decided we needed to mark both our anniversary and our anniversary in some way so i don't know how we come up with the idea but we decided we're going to do like a, a cycle that was called the cycle of the song so w- between us all we managed to scrape together a couple of exercise bikes and turbo trainers and bits and pieces rigged them all up with uh uh, by computers and we, we worked out thanks to Google Maps the distance from saying all to effectively Helen's Tire. Mm-hmm. So basically sorry, Ulster Tire. So basically the distance that people genuinely from our village would have got on the dream uh, back in the day and you know headed off to the front. So whatever couple of hundred miles that was between us all, we right we're gonna we're gonna set up here actually coincidentally beside the war memorial in and, and the village. Uh, and we just, you know, started taking it in turns, maybe 5, 10, 20 minutes each. And people started wrapping up and I have to say, everybody, the yeah, community, both sides, people were coming up, having a go, might only be 5, 10 minutes, a couple of miles or whatever. We mm-hmm. raised a couple of thousand quid. And again, it all well went to local charity, the five hospitals, again, you know, a, a facility that everybody and all, you know, all sides of the community and all arts and parts up here use. Um, so... That was probably that was a like, sort of a big thing, but something that even on a very basic level we do. There's a there's a church fair in the village every year. And this probably sounds quite quite corny, but really without I feel that thing's been going on probably the cost of 30 years now. And or it's every year they ask us to lead sort of the, you know, the, the we fancy dress period or well, like, well, fancy dresses with two or three wings in and Yeah, Jared, like, the, strawberry concession yeah, yeah, back yeah, so it's called the Strawberry Fair, and uh, probably it was a bigger thing maybe in the, in the more early days. um But you know, we would, and there was always that you know, another band too for a while. There was a the game there's an independent cross community pipe band, and the always. Oh, been. it was a good pipe band as well, do For a period, mm-hmm. was <laughs> band for
3: Sonata,
0: too. it was it was St. Joe's from Stravan. So it was just something like that. It's that's how everything. Why it's a church fair? Everybody comes it out. It was very cross from Very cross And, you know, the streets, the, the main road of the village is absolutely lying. To people, predominantly, they're the kind of listen dogs, really. Well, the last, since the band was, let's
2: say, I'm a purple patch, so we made a point of getting on the The Church under the feeling and all of it, and stood and who played for 20 minutes, 25 months. And the thing about it is, and I'm sure you, you get this, Glenn. Most people don't get a snapshot of the part passing, the so they hear this much of the tune, you know, mm-hmm. the tiny bit of chin. I'm making signs of you hear, and I know you're ignoring the not just <laughs> you do hear a very small snapshot of the chin. Whereas, at least if you're standing and you hear the tune in its entirety, you were talking to your about trios and stuff. You know, you might have your loud part of the tune, and all of a sudden it's in this beautiful melody, and around another little range of the flutes. And you can see, people's ears pricking up because they haven't heard this before.
0: This is something completely foreign to them. So that was it's a great thing, you know. Yeah. Again, for many years there was a there was a charity parade, local town castle there used to be called the hospital parade. It probably predates my time, but again, my earliest memories of, of band parades were probably up there. We'd done that without a fail for for decades um, until it stopped. And all con- contributed to the hospital. Yeah, of yes, struggle, That's a, and I suppose, and something, I know we could say it's maybe more of a recent thing, but actually whenever you, you, know, if you look into our history, because we've been a very long-running and long-established band in this area, actually our band, or maybe members of our band, have helped a lot of other bands along the way, they're starting off, or maybe along the way, propping them up when times are or tight, I know... Um, back in the fifties, one of our was in f Um, I forget his name, but he went off to Cullion and started really? the yeah. Robbie Dara, started you know, helped set up a foot band, a couple of miles up the road, up towards London. There, you know, back in the eighties, you know, things like the like Patrick Crumbs and the founders down here, and you know, that was guys yeah, from from so Siam, Siam, You know, and more and, recently, Bracky, um, yourself and Richard Donnell, Eden, that's all right. That, that is in the last couple of years again. So. probably and Boys, well.
2: So, all Crowds and Boys
0: is that when they decided
2: they were going to start on parts, that
1: came from here. Right, okay. So, you have a connection with uh, helping Oma Kenny get a start now, have you? I
2: don't know
3: Kenny tells that story, not, but that's uh, true. <laughs> 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 you have yours, well, and they were only on the very early stages of uh, They were, were room thunder at the start. Then, the jumpers, yeah. then they, uh and the I remember two tunes of the tunes that the recorded we played was uh Dennis Light and uh mm-hmm. I Remember the Tempty tunes, and there were probably other ones, I'm quite quite sure there's other ones. I don't know what, if they played uh Galatia, but they really big at right any roads so that are. I think they started just about a
2: couple of seconds, I think. Okay like, on the back row or something like that. And then obviously it's progressed to where they are now.
1: Yeah, I'll have to go back and listen in on the the Omar Boys episode and see whether they give you me some mention or not. But you you
2: can correct that see you
1: you? I see Trevor just coming into the screen door. Give me a know that that wasn't the case, uh, but uh, no. But it, the the thing is that you know it's good that you know that the bonds do that because I know whenever I was growing up, there was a real sense of. For me the rivalry between especially the melody bonds was was intense and things were kept a secret you know you didn't let anybody know what tune you were working on no. and I, I remember you know whenever the guy that taught me to play for terry hamilton i remember he was bringing in a bunch of tunes at the time and it was like under no circumstances play these in the street on your way home you know do not let anybody know that we're learning these tunes and okay. uh, yeah, for the fear that someone else would get it on the road before you. And uh, like, so the tunes that we were, I remember the tunes that we were learning at the time. We, we learned, we learned um, Bill Fager and uh, and then we learned uh, Queen of Battle and Vendetta. And no one was playing, no bonds that I know in terms of melody flute bonds back in that time we were playing those tunes. Those tunes we played back years right, ago, Vendetta
3: and uh, Bill Fager. Yeah, yeah. We got them over the
1: years like but play them? Good tunes like you know, what I mean, fantastic is mm-hmm. a cracker, uh, a cracking tune, and uh, but it, it, for me played it a wee bit, neither, you know, but uh, it's still a cracking tune. The only one that I have to say you've mentioned there, and I have no love lost for it, as Galanthea. Like, I, you know, Trevor, you were saying there won't be too many tunes if somebody called you one more play, somebody calls Galanthea, and I'm like, Go, oh, I'm running for the play- toilet. I, <laughs> <laughs> I
2: guess, like, like no, it's like, a tradition here. Uh-huh. We're not, we're not, it's not the first time people remark that we have our own way of playing it. Uh huh. So, don't get me wrong, we read the music, we play it, uh-huh. we get a bit of swinging, and it's, it seems to be a
1: bit of our own, you know. You know what? It's great, the more, it is great, the mar- more, but I just, time that I, you know, it's just one of those tunes for me as they kind of go on. Seriously, go on to the again, I don't know why you were watching the virtual bomb periods, but I think there was one night. They we were doing the virtual bomb parade and they had all, all near enough all of the melody bomb videos that they showed that night was a bomb playing Galenthia and I was like, kind of go, for good, come on. And you could have picked another chain over on that. And it's one that I messed around with. I don't know if you have heard the Bomb of Defenders CD, but I, I wrote a different set of part, well, a different part to, for the trio. And that there, so you can kind of find that. I find I wrote a different counterpart for the, the trio in Galanthian just to kind of mess it up a wee bit. And uh, if you if you find our CD somewhere, you'll hear my wonderful attempt at trying to trying to rearrange the whole uh, the tree. <laughs> I said
2: that's what's wrong with you. You ruined the tune. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that my four-year-old me, has that CD. I went to try and steal it back off her to find out. <laughs> <laughs> don't be, don't be letting the here. The <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more, just <laughs> but, don't confuse her. them get confused? They worry. She's turning into the founder farm. But
1: Whatever time you decided to play a couple of or something, well not like left at one night for you. <laughs> <laughs> it, It's what it is, one of those things. See but even it was really funny too because the, the video that uh, whenever I was um at the I was at the squeak Seymour parade and the Raven were coming down the road and I was broadcasting live on the, the Made the Parade channel and uh, the Raven were coming down the road and I was like kind of going okay, here's a here's a good band coming now. What are they playing? I was like, oh my goodness, you could have picked a better tune. Like, you know, seriously. <laughs> I'm not gonna get slagged for for saying that. But you know, you do like, some tunes you kinda get you get sick to death of for me anyway, I I is one of them for me. I really you know, as I say, I'm always like hand up, blank hat and toilet please you know, so um next. In terms of obviously, you've met, we've talked a wee bit about tunes and stuff, and we've talked about um, the fact that these are a part music band. Are there any bands that you guys really admire? I will admire a band from
3: Ballymena, you know, Kellswater, a good band. Mm. They're well of the
1: top
3: part bands on the country. And they're like Bally Rowan, Walter, and bands, but there's somebody Kellswater, they're good bass ends, so they have. Very good.
2: I you can't go past the Hamilton, the Churchill elder you like know, that, you know, um very, very high standard. But what I will say, Glenn, and this is a more recent years thing, you know what used to be Golden thunder is everybody's up there game. Mm. You know, the the quality of music you're putting out right now compared to in the eighties, you know, is, is definitely improved an novel lot. There's a
0: lot of really good bands out
1: there now, which yeah. You couldn't have maybe said so much in the 80s. There was a lot of bad bands out there in the 80s. Yeah, no, it goes back to what these guys were saying earlier on. There, there was, you know, maybe a, a sense that in the, the sort of seventies and eighties where blood and thunder bands really started coming to the fore. It wasn't really about making you know good music, I, it was just about making it was making loud music, wasn't it? It was just a, it was more of a, a protest thing, and I, I heard the, the guy Gordon Ramsay talking about that, you know, the Blood and Thunder is almost like the punk of the, the Bond scene. You know, it was that kind of rebellious, you know, noise. Let's make a noise. Let's protest. There's lots of stuff going on around us that we don't like and we don't, you know, want certain things to be happening. And, and, and the Blood and Thunder style was a, a response to that because it's the only, here's the only place in the world that you'll find that style of, you know, March and Bond music is the Blood and Thunder thing is, is, is unique. Um, and to, North, to Northern Ireland's March and Bonds and stuff. But one of the things that I have noticed a lot is the amount of what would be considered London Thunder Bonds using parts. You know, I mean, uh, East Belfast probably boys doing a lot of part-based stuff. Gertrude playing some amazing stuff with parts. And then, unbelievable. the other night, I, was, I had to do a double-take at the Pride of the Main Parade when Donaki went past and playing first, seconds, and thirds. And I was like, going, whoa! Whoa! <laughs> What's going on here? Because I was like, "What? That's not something I would have associated with um with those guys, you know." And then other other bands are doing amazing stuff, you know, innovative things. You know, Rothko, Protestant Boys are doing some amazing things and run with their arrangements and so on. And then the Dromahegles, my goodness, I, I I love I love the I wasn't always a big Blood and Thunder bond, but, or fan, but farm, but uh Drama have been doing some amazing stuff, you know. So, Trevor, what do, do what a bonds are you into? What do you who do you admire? Who's your I find it hard to buy some of the very
0: bands like John said. I have to take my hat off to Hamilton. Again, I know they're, they're a very long, a long-running long band like yourselves, but it's, it, I think I'm just a part-band man now, full stop. Um, to listen to them you know, on the 12th of August is just a delight.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, no, I, I have to say, I have a lot of time for the church, so obviously spent spend a lot of time with those guys and stuff as well. They're top-class band. And one of the bands that I'm always sad that's, that's no longer longer with us is uh, was Ravenhill. Um, I had the, the privilege of sitting in a few times with uh, the Ravenhill. And I hate to say that I, I, don't, I didn't contribute anything to the sound on the night whatsoever. It was just amazing to be still, to be in the room. But uh, Ravenhill's got,
3: they go? completely clear, are they
1: yeah, they're gone, yeah. Uh, Ravenhill's gone, yeah. I remember yeah.
3: listening on the radio back in the early 50s, early 60s, really all started at half 12 in our house. You only heard it come to an all-star band, kind of pipe band one week, band one and accordion band. And uh, radio exciting, always, and uh, of course the food bands then, Radio exciting, always gave you a list of merges that they're going to play. And you only know, to at our house. And they've been playing Burstreet and uh, Lab Festival and one uh, mm-hmm. of their tunes. I... Dames later right as well,
1: you know, at different times. Like you yeah. had a Revel Hall, RJ Camperns and the Austin yeah. Amateur. I think them, all the bands were gone react like, like. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I mean, it was I had the pleasure of of sitting with Alexa Tommy Turnbull and all, and you know, listening to those guys play was just was outstanding, you know, in terms of this the sound in the room. Like, you know, it was a it was a real education for me. It was one of those things that really pressed me to kind of to get get better at the, the state reading and get you know get my music down better and stuff because you know you just when you're sitting there and you're you're struggling you know and you're looking and you think you know what you're doing and then somebody sets a part down in front of you and you go god i'm having a hard time <laughs> on this here <laughs> yeah. i need to up my game a week but you know it really it really pushed me to to, to kind of yeah improve and i think that that's one of one of the things that i'm really loving from the, the conversation that we've had here um lads, is that there's, there's a couple of themes that have come out and I think that are really key to the maintenance of the scene. I know you tried to talk a wee bit about, you know, the the weight of the tradition of the Bond and the history of the Bond on each, but you've have, have touched on a few things. One of them in terms of keeping the scene alive for me is musical excellence, you know, being able to make sure that, you know, that what we do is good, you know, because people will want to get involved in something that's that that, that's good, that is quality. And I think that's what we're also noting about, some of the blood and thunder bonds they're developing a real quality about what they do and that's why people want to be a part of it but there's also that connection with the history and the tradition and you've spent time researching your own history and your own where worries have come from and it's really important to know and connect everybody with that because i think you know that gives you that wider sense of belonging you know this isn't just something that was Hooked up by a bunch of guys to, to do something on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night or whatever. You know, this has got some long-reaching history, and, and it, 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 it deals in the other events. You know, you imagine lots there about the war and who what people were connected to the war and stuff. I think that's really important. You know, we connect with that history and the tradition side of things, and then give them back. You know, the idea of being able to give back to our community. I if you think if give you more those three things together? You've got a really good recipe for making sure that we we keep the scene staying fresh and healthy and and alive. I suppose you know that's. I think it's those three things are are really really important. In terms of maybe just the end and off, folks. We usually end off with the question: You know, if there's one thing you'd share with someone to help them understand the bond scene, what would it be? Well, the one
3: thing. Most my Good good comradeship, which is actually, over the years, and two people have fell out. can be fun to in a van, really, but that's not the point. But there's always good comradeship, and that, that just doesn't be with a van. When you're out and about, that's still way, you learn a lot about right? writing on army people when you're young and when you're in a van. That's your way out. I'm not a person, that's have, but That was the way out and about. And the, the bands went to this was on before as a lad. And you learned a lot with how you run on me, people. you made friends. Friends with to us the right eric. Like, so comradeship was very important.
0: I was gonna say, Glenn, I would I, I was gonna say challenge but I would actually invite anybody and I meet anybody, our doors are open every moment. Just come and sit. And in the hall and listen to us play um, more times than enough people have rocked up you know maybe they're here to drop drop off their kids or drop something off or call them to say hello or do something and they end up sitting for an hour and a half just listening to us mm. and again as John says like whenever you're out in the road on the parade people hear you for almost little 30-40 like seconds as, as you approach pass and go by sit and listen sit, come sit and they you know Marches and how much big play you know from start to finish you know three four five months long and actually hear what we do and you can actually challenge and say well what's offensive about that you know that's that's music that's proper music I'm not doing down any other bands or any style music but I would just say come sit and listen and you know judge for yourself then what what you think sense of belonging um,
2: you're getting together a group of people uh, with a like-mindedness. To achieve well, at the end of the day, what you're trying to achieve ultimately
1: is sound good and enjoy it while you're doing Um, and that is probably the best thing you can take away from it that you've got like-minded people get together to achieve something and have fun doing it. Folks, thank you very much for taking the time out to, to chat with us on Made the Parade. And I definitely know that from listening to you, you know that. David, you said something that, if you're, you know, your bonds, one if it's in your heart. And that's definitely come across from from the thevious lads, in terms of, you know, your your passion and your commitment and your your dedication to your bond has come across really, really loud and clear. And, you know, I really want to say thank you for taking the time to, to, to share some of your own stories and some of your, your bond stories with us on, on the podcast. Guys, thanks very much.
0: It's pleasure, it really it really
1: great. Great. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. That's the end of uh, the, the episode. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I had an absolutely brilliant time talking to the guys from the Cow Memorial. Absolutely fantastic conversation and a uh, real insight into. What being a member of a band's all about, and you can just you can just hear it in their voices the way they talk about the music, the way they talk about their band and their their village and everything—absolutely fantastic stuff. So, thanks again, guys, for taking part in the podcast. Next week, we are going to branch out again to international shores, but this time we're going to my home country, Canada, and we're going to have uh, Graham Kernahan on from the Cambridge Crown Defenders, and Graham has an absolutely Fantastic story, the to, to sure, and uh, I'm just thinking that uh, as I record this, that the what do you call it the the Canadian Twelfth was supposed to happen there, um yesterday I believe it would have been the 200th parade, and uh, I'm looking forward to next year, I'm um, getting out to walk in Canada, um either with the Cambridge Crown Defenders or maybe with another band that is going over for the parade there. So make sure you check the episode out next week with Graham. Then after that we have another great episode lined up and that will be with the Goblin Protestant Boys, um, another great bomb from Scotland. And I know a lot of people will be looking forward to hearing that episode. And then the one after that, these are getting spoiled here folks, getting so many inside um, notes on what's coming up. We're going to have two members of the Middlesex County Volunteers. On the podcast, and I had a great conversation with them recently as well. Um, absolutely fantastic, and it's amazing just how you know these conversations and connecting with people all across the world, and just being able to sit and talk bonds, talk flutes, talk drums, and everybody seems to speak the same language. So look forward to sharing those episodes with you as well. Just to say, we do have a fundraiser going on at the minute. We're on GoFundMe and you'll get details of that on our Twitter page, on Facebook and uh, the private groups and so on uh, we're looking to try and put out the children's version of the book and in order to do that I need to get an illustrator to do the pictures up for it and that's going to cost uh, a wee bit of money so it's going to cost around about £2,000 to get that done and also for the next season we are looking to go into having some really professional video based podcasts for you as well and we're looking to try and get um what we need in order to get that up and running so if you want to check that out on our GoFundMe page that would be great I'd really appreciate that or you can also support us via Patreon you can go to the Patreon page which is patreon.com forward slash made the and you can contribute towards the, the work of the podcast and everything there so if you want to do that that would be great and I'll just mention again because as this podcast comes out it will be a year almost to the day that I release the book made parade and uh, it's been an absolutely fantastic journey from writing the book, releasing it and getting people's responses and reactions to that. Um, I'm blown away even now still people are contacting me and telling me that they've just read the book and you know they've had an absolutely fantastic time reading it so if you haven't got a copy of it yet you can get it from Amazon it'll cost you nine ninety nine on paperback or $5.99 on Kindle and just want to say a special word of thanks to everybody who does support the work anyone who has contributed already to the gofundme fundraiser and all of our loyal patrons thank you so much folks your support really does mean a lot to me so that's it for now so until the next episode look after yourselves take it easy and here's the current memorial to play us out
0: you have been listening to the made to parade podcast sponsored by the british drum company where Phantom, Regimental Series and Axial Parade Drums are hand-built in the UK to look amazing, sound amazing and feel amazing.